purpose is transforming the world of work and business. Those leading the way are values-based and people-focused leaders who see business as a force for good. Host Kevin Monroe explores how tapping into the power of purpose infuses your business with meaning and touches the lives of your employees while positively impacting the communities you serve. With the Higher Purpose Podcast, here's Kevin Monroe. Welcome to Episode 108 of the Higher Purpose Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Monroe, and it really is a joy to share this journey with you And I hope it's an amazing journey for you. It certainly is for me. And even as I say that, I'm prompted with this quotation from G.K. Chesterton. He said, and I shared this with a friend recently who was in the middle of a travel nightmare. And that's when I was prompted with this. G.K. Chesterton, an adventure is only an inconvenience rightly considered. An inconvenience is an adventure wrongly considered. So are you on an adventure or an inconvenience? It's up to you. It's up to us and the framework we have. So if you caught last week's conversation, which is episode 107, you heard me talking with my friend Mike Sippel about reframing success. Well, we're going to continue that reframing conversation today and actually going to it in a much deeper way and in a way that ties into G.K. Chesterton a little bit as we're talking about reframing challenges and adversity. And we're doing that with my friend Heather Younger. Heather was with us back in episode 87, which was March of this year, so about five months ago, when we discussed her book. Well, since then, Heather has a TED Talk out, and as she likes to say, and one day I hope to say it with her, well, my first TED Talk, That's the catalyst for us connecting today. So join me in welcoming Heather Younger. Well, Heather Younger, welcome back to the Higher Purpose Podcast. What a delight to have you join us again. I'm so excited to be here. I love talking with you, of course. (laughs) I feel like you're a brother from another mother. So, yes. Yeah. Well, and we're both podcasters, so we just love talking, period, Heathers. That is so true. It is true. I love talking. Like, shush me up, shush me up. That's right. But podcasters, it's really fun when podcasters get to talk to one another. But there's something specific we're going to go in today that's different than what we did the last time you were here with us on the Higher Purpose Podcast. But before we do that, you know this is coming. And Heather, I know you are no stranger to gratitude. What's something you're grateful for in this moment as we launch into this conversation today? You know, I feel very grateful to be able to do the work that I do and the way that I do it and the time that I get to do it in. So just having the freedom to be able to pursue the thing I was called to do and to be able to do it when I want to do it and to stop it when I want to stop it. Hmm. Okay. I love that. And all of a sudden, my mind jumped ahead because I know what we're about to talk about. And all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I see dots already connecting. <laughs> So Heather, I mean, what really is prompting this conversation today was just recently you graced the Red TED Circle at the TEDx Colorado Springs event, right? Yes. What was the journey that even led you to the TED stage? Well, it's interesting. I've been wanting to do a TED Talk for a while. In the beginning of the year, I was at the No Longer Virtual Conference. And if you remember, Kevin, you were there. We were all sitting around talking about the goals that we had for the year. And and my goal was to make sure I delivered a TEDx this year. and that was kind of like, it was a goal. 
part right. of it, the reason why I got there, um, we'll talk about the journey, but the message that I decided to deliver was really, I think, a lifetime coming. Hmm. Hmm. So we can talk more about that. <laughs> okay. Well, yep. So folks, we're going to put a link to the TEDx talk in the show notes. You can Google it, Heather Younger, TEDx, and you'll find it. But what was the topic? And so the journey wasn't from February to June. The journey was much longer than that. You just said lifetime journey. Absolutely. Yeah. There's things that we do like career-wise, right? And then there's people that we are or the reason why we are who we are. And so this talk was about a lot about my why going deeper, but how my why fueled me. Mm. And I had seen part of the journey was I'd really been being depleted, I guess, not filled up by watching all the negative news and mm. seeing all the negative press and about school shootings and, oh my gosh, just suicides and just all the things that we see out there in the world now. And it just seems like it's getting worse and worse, in my opinion. But anyway, when I would see that and hear it, a lot of the stuff would be, would sound very much like victim. Yeah. And victim, I'm not talking about victims of like actual victims, like people who've been shot. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the people who are a lot of times the perpetrators of just things that aren't so great in our world. And I thought, gosh, we all have just turned to a society of being victims. And then I thought about myself and my journey and how I could have chosen. I only told a little bit about my adversity in that talk. And if I were to spill it all, people would be holy smokes. And they were already feeling that after they heard just that portion of my story. And I, I could have been a victim. And at some point in my life, I probably was thinking, well, those people did this thing to me and felt a certain way and maybe wanted to act a certain way in response. But I chose not to be that person. I actually chose to use their perception. I use what it is they did to me, right? That, that kind of victim-ish, the victim stuff that they did and use it to, as a fuel to move me forward to achieve other things in life. Mm-hmm. And so when you watch that TED Talk, you're going to see some of that story. You're going to hear where I was from a mental state, but all of that adversity is what got me where I'm at, which, which allows me to do the thing I just said, be able to do what I'm called to do and to do it when I want to and how I want to and stop it when I want to, right? That adversity is what got me where I'm at right now. Okay. So it's just having people think differently. <laughs> all right. So let's unpack that. How do you define or how do you explain what you're called to do, Heather? And I love this because I think there are things we do that people see us do and they go, oh, that's what Heather does, right? And you're like, eh, that's what I do, but it's bigger than that. There's more to yeah. it, right? So let's peel back some of those onions. I don't want to talk about Heather, the person that writes great books, right? There's more to it than that. <laughs> Absolutely. There really is, right? There's more to it than that than each and every one of us, really. Yeah, I, I mean, the people that are reaching out to me on this talk, there's stuff that they're telling me, there's so much more to all of us that none of us know. Mm. We aren't digging deep enough. So your idea, your higher purpose, the title of your podcast speaks to me in this regard. So when you're talking about the calling, I feel like I was put on this earth. I feel like God created me to do exactly what I'm doing today. That's what I mean by it. So okay. it is a faith-driven thing for me, but I feel like like I can't even be me if I don't do what I'm doing now. It's a part of who I am, but it's not just the career. It's also when people reach out and how I choose to uplift others and how I choose to share what I know with others in a very open way because there's more than enough to go around. And yeah. this is who I am. And it's not like I don't want to hide things from people. I want to be able to say, gosh, is there any seed, is there anything I can give you to help you move past that point? 
I want people to know that they can do and be much more than they are. And so I naturally want to uplift people and reach out to people and help them and share, right? Not just leave everything with me. Okay, so let me ask you this. When do you recall, and maybe it wasn't a moment, maybe there was a series of moments, but do you recall that first unveiling of the more Heather Younger could be? I have to say it wasn't necessarily a moment. Yeah. It was a culmination, but it started when I was probably 15, 16, and I looked around at the adults in my life, and most of them had very clear strengths, but some of them were just having a super hard time mm. moving past their circumstances. Like they just couldn't seem, not seem to get out of their own way. And I don't know if it was their inability to do it that produced my ability to do it, right? There's like this counter force right. that I became a catalyst for many of the adults in my life to make different changes, uh. to make different choices. Uh. Because I posed those questions to them of, should you be doing this? Should you be married? Should you be this? Should you? And I would ask those questions. And based upon asking those questions, it made them think and make different choices. Not all of them, some of them. Mm. Mm. And I think that made me realize the power that number one, that question holds, like the ones you asked, right? And the power that standing up to authority holds, which is what I do every day. It's kind of my niche, right? And also that power of inner strength that you can get. Because back then, I didn't know it then. Faith wasn't as much a big, big focus in my life or even in my family. So it wasn't something that wasn't as much a North Star, but I didn't know it then that I was being taken to where I'm at now. So yeah, I don't know if that helps at all, but that's where I think. So here's what I find interesting, Heather, is that people often see you, me, someone else that's on a stage and they think, oh gosh, their life is easy. You know, there they are doing this, (laughs) living the dream. (laughs) I mean, you've heard that, living the dream. Oh yeah. But your path, I mean, and this was the whole essence. And so, folks, I really encourage you to listen to the TED Talk, but we're going to dive into some of it here. Your path, my path, no one's path is free of adversity. Is this right? Absolutely. You got it. But yet it's the adversity. So when I heard you and you mentioned faith, okay, I was thinking, gosh, there's a character in the Old Testament who probably had the best claim to victimhood of anybody that <laughs> his brothers sell him into slate. Well, first off, his brothers dig a hole oh. and throw him in a hole, right? And they go, no, no, no. Oh, gosh, yeah. Yeah, oh, we can't do that to him. So then they pull him out of the hole and sell him into slavery. And he spends oh. slavery. Then he's in prison, right? I mean, all of this is victimhood. The yep. classic victim. Yes. But when Joseph stands before his brothers, he says something that is the opposite of victimhood. What you meant for evil, God worked for good. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. They gave me the chills. Yeah, they gave me the chills. Yes. I mean, that's the classic, right? Folks, you listening, we have all had crap in our lives. (laughs) It's just, what do you do with it? And so, Heather, I mean, this is kind of where you go in your talk. What did you do with it? And if there's any of those, the setup for victimhood that you had, if you want to go into any of that, feel free. But how did you all of a sudden go, wait a minute, that's not the path. There is a better path for me. How do I get out of my way and go somewhere different? You know, it's interesting. I obviously posed a tactical way to get around this inside the talk. 
right. where we talk about reframing. But actually, I think it's more than that. It's kind of like we think of human motivation. And if you've read a lot about motivation, trying to figure out whether someone is more motivated by the carrot or the stick, really, right? right. And while I love recognition, I believe in giving and receiving it in great abundance. I think that it was the fear of landing where I saw the adults in my life land that said to me, I cannot do that. I will not do that. I had some drug addiction in my home, which did not make it on the TED Talk. Won't go into great detail, but I had some. Yeah. I remember being faced with deciding to go down that path. Like, should I go down that path? There, these adults are going down that path and this adult is going, you know, why sh- should I do that? Right. And something made me go, oh no. And I think it was just sitting by all those years up to about 15 at that point, watching the impact of the choices like that. And so I chose to look around and say, I don't want to make that choice. Have I made bad choices since then? Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely, right? I have not been without bad choices since then, but nothing to the extent of those types of things, right? And so I was averse to the negative impacts that those bad choices can make. Mm-hmm. And so that's why my choice is that even though they've been bad, they haven't been so bad to be that bad that have just, that right. would just put me down a totally different path. So even now, I mean, some of the things I tell my kids, I have four kiddos. And one of the things I'll tell all of them, they know I say in strong, never in weak. So if they're going down a path, you want to make a mistake, you make a little bump here, you make a little bump here. Do not make a super big bump and don't do it towards the end of your journey on any part of your journey, right? Make sure that you end strong. Mm. And that's a personal philosophy I have. And I have a whole bunch of like, I have like a 20 of these personal North Stars to keep me on track to make sure I don't go down that path. Even if I may be tempted to, because we all have temptations. All of us do. Yeah. So which of the North Stars has the greatest polar pull on you? Hmm. Or just one of them? I would say uplift others always. Okay. Wow. That's probably my biggest pull. And I think that comes from the story that rises up in the TED Talk. It's that idea of not feeling good enough, not being appreciated, not being respected. And so for me, having felt that for a long time, for a very long time and starting at a young age, I refuse to make others feel that way. So if it comes to my attention that I've made someone feel that way, I'm personally offended by myself and I admit to the mistake and I apologize profusely. So as a manager, you probably can imagine that that voted really well for me. Because I always went out of the way to recognize, to uplift, to show respect, to show importance, because I didn't get that when I was growing up. Well, and I remember the first time we had a conversation, and we'll also link to that in the show notes here. If you want to hear the conversation Heather and I had about her book, The Seven Intuitive Laws of Employee Loyalty. When we had that conversation, I remember you talking about that it were these things in your journey that really prepared you and teed you up to do the work you do, right? Because you saw these things that you just said. You saw managers that put others down rather than lift them up. And wow, that lit a fire in you to do something about it. Absolutely. And it all started from that. And we all have the adversity. It started from the adversity. I am the person I am today because of my adversity, not in spite of it, not despite of it, right? Because of. Right. And I use that to help me just, you know, right, impact the impact to be the very best I can be for others. And if I've left a mark on the heart of one person, I have completely succeeded in this world. Mm. It's mm. just that's how I see it. That's so true, Heather. I mean, there are just times I stop and I have to remind that. And when you have an encounter where someone tells you that you've had that kind of impact on them or that influence, wow, it's humbling. 
because I know that's what drives you just like that's what drives me. And so we do say, gosh, if I could have that impact on one person, but when we do have that impact on one person, you go, I'd like to do that again. That was fun. Oh, yeah, of course. Oh, yeah. We want to do more of it. But what people like you and I, I do believe, are put on this earth to do this. Like right. this work of uplifting and expanding, those types of things, I think, are is what we're here for. So we're completely fed by that. So earlier I heard you talk about this, Heather. You were talking about carrot or stick. And then the other thing I was thinking about, it's also when adversity happens, there's also the fight, flight, or flee response, right? Something bad happens, and all of us have a natural proclivity to go one of those paths. Yes. And when you start talking about reframing, I'd love to unpack that with you. And I told you before we hit record, you know, and I actually have the book open here on my lap. When I went to graduate school at Gonzaga, free plug for Gonzaga, uh, go Zags. <laughs> I started this one course and the book, it's by Lee Bowman and Terrence Deal. The book is called Reframing Organization. And one of my classes was all on reframing organization. And when I read the book, I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that was a term. I've been doing this all my life. And I never really heard the term reframing. You talk about reframing in your TED Talk. Let's talk about what is reframing. What did it take for you? And what have you seen it takes for others when adversity strikes and we have that option to become a victim or to lash out on others, or to fight, flee, or freeze. How do we reframe that? Well, I think, but there's a lot packed up into that question. I know it. <laughs> we'll spend a few minutes unpacking it. Yeah, total disclaimer. I am not a psychologist, okay? Right. So what I've been doing my whole life, I never realized it's something that actually licensed people do. Yeah. But in the end, reframing. The idea of reframing is to take a current situation, like a current challenge that you might be facing that you normally would be like, ah, yeah, yeah, and you would just be begrudging about it. And you would be just, you know, negative about it and feeling like, again, it happened to me. Right. And you put it out there and you let the motions of that issue that happened, whether it's really, really bad or partially bad or kind of minor, you let that roll over you. You let the emotions take form. They have to. And then you say, okay, I've cut my time off now. Now it's time for me to be rethinking. Think about what it is that's happening to me in a different way. So now I'm going to choose to think about it in a way that actually helps to grow and expand where I'm at right now. It helps to move me forward instead of to hold me back. So then it's like, okay, so one of the examples I use is, well, I got in a car accident and I really was looking forward to go on this road trip to go on a college visit with my kids. But I got in this car accident and I was like, oh, dang it. It was one of the things on my checkoff list. I had to get that done. I was like $4,000 from paying my car off. Like this is the whole thought process that was going yeah, on. Yeah. And so then I let that happen. I was pissed and I was angry and all these things. And then like within a very short period of time, I thought, wait a second. Hmm. Hmm. Well, I actually did have a long, long list of things to get through. And now I can actually get through them. Or you know what? That car accident may have been way worse than the little hit that I got that caused just a little bit of damage to my bones and damage to my car. And it was a total loss, but now I actually get a brand new car and I never had one of those before. So there's all these like ways to continue to rethink, right? ways to rethink what it is that's happening to us. And so that's the reframing process is that. And there are so many different things that are, people are doing this all the time. I had one woman reach out to me just today 
and she was had been physically abused, getting out of divorce. Mm. And she said, I watched her talk. And of course, the physical abuse is something you're never going to get past. That's it's painful, you know, literally and figuratively to even think about that you have to go through that. But now let's rethink about what that abuse helped mm. me get to. Yeah. Okay. So it makes you now list out the things. What is it that I'm actually able to get to? Did it create more resilience in me? Does it now set me up to be able to create a nonprofit to help other people do it? Okay. So it just starts to make you go down that way of thinking. What did I learn from that? I learned that I'm stronger than I thought I was because I got out of it, right? So right. this is the same work that we do in organizations. It was part of the reason why I use it as a starting point for, it really is a big part of what of the work that I do with organizations. I just didn't necessarily talk a lot about that, right? But it really is a big part of it hmm. because I'm helping them. Like you talked about reforming organizations. It really is about, okay, our market sucks right now. Our customers are not liking this new product right now. Okay, that's the reality of it. Let's take that in because that's the reality. Right. Now let's think about what it is we can do to kind of become more rational about this process and start listing out all the things that we can do, we can control, that we can do to impact the impression the customer might have. Because there's a lot of things we can't impact. Like we don't have more money to create a better product, right? Those are all the ways that we can do that. We can use this reframing in our lives, in our business lives, in our personal lives. Okay, so I do want to unpack this with you, Heather. And so what we're saying, reframing is not denying reality. Reframing is no. what you said. You let reality sink in, but you refuse to soak in it for long periods of time, right? I love that. I'll do a picture of like a bath and like soaking in it. I'm going to do that if you don't mind. I'm going to take something or some kind of visual on that. That is so true. It literally is the soaking part, non-soaking. Non-soaking. Right. But we do go, okay, this is bad. We're not saying it's not bad. Whatever happened to you personally, what's happened to me personally, what's happened to family members right now in our lives, some of that's really bad. And you yeah. let it sink in, but you go, okay, enough's enough. Yeah. If I keep soaking in here, let's use the soaking analogy. <laughs> I love it. You're going to get pruned up. You're going to get wrinkled. You're going to shrivel. You're going to shrink. You're going to get smaller, right? Mm-hmm. I've had enough. This is sunk in. Now, what does this make possible? Right? What's a different yeah. path forward? And I just opened this book. Like I told you, I pulled the book out. And while you were talking, I just opened mm -hmm. it. I flipped to a page and here was a big star I wrote. It can be liberating to realize there is always more than one way to respond to any problem or dilemma. Those who master reframing report a sense of choice and power. And because this is a textbook, it says managers, but I'll just say yes. people are imprisoned only to the extent that their palette of ideas is impoverished. Mm, love it. Right? So if you only think there's one path forward and one option now that this bad thing happened in your life, that's being a victim. Yep, that is. That's exactly right. All of a sudden, you feel like you're just cut off from any hope, from any possibility. Yeah. And again, I've already told you, I feel like I'm called to do what I'm doing now. And I feel like maybe it's unrealistic for me to think that everybody can get there. I do truly believe in this. But maybe it's also a seed that was just planted to allow me to have it. I don't really know. I still truly believe it was my adversity. I do believe it was being forced to face so much early on and really having to be the adult at a very young age. Wow. I think that was the biggest part of it. Yeah. And so 
because of that, having that level of responsibility, I had to learn to control my own mindset. I had to, or I would land up in the same or worse place than they were. Right, right. So when you're working, whether it's with an individual or whether it's a manager in an organization, a leader in an organization, and they feel trapped, they feel that their options are limited. What is something you do that helps to expand their range of possibilities and to begin the reframing process? The exercise that I described kind of in that talk where you're getting that, where you're feeling the feeling, what are the feelings you're feeling? What are the emotions that are happening right now based on that? Giving them the okay that they can actually go through it and they can feel that. And then talking to them, like, we're going to literally write this down, write down all of the things, for example, that are barriers for you. What are the things that are barriers from you getting here? So someone says, I don't feel like I'm going to do well in this role, right? Well, it's because I just don't feel like I do a good job. Or I don't even belong here because I don't feel like I have enough skills. Like, and they're going to keep saying this. Kind of, they're going to use all these words. We're going to write all this stuff down. And most of this stuff is rooted in irrational thought. Mm-hmm. And what we do next is to talk about what now, how can we now one by one, line by line, reframe this thought that's not very rational, more emotional, mm. into a rational way of thinking of things. And then from there, we start to then create our own reality a new reality that can exist first in our minds and then in our actions and our results. And that's how I go through with leadership team. That's how I go through individually with people that I coach. And if you can literally mentally think of a switch in your head that says, okay, now we're going to the side of like progress, the side of rational, the side of moving forward. And it helps them if you can help be the trigger for the people that are going through that. And then you start to go through all the rational things that are now as a result of all these other things. Okay. Now that we've gotten that on the table, we can really start to expand our mind about what the possibilities are. We can even visualize them. We can write these out. We can color it out. There's a lot of different ways that I help with that. But it's a big, big part of leadership effectiveness, organizational effectiveness, personal effectiveness to really get a hold of our mind first. Hmm. So is there an example that you can share? I realize some of the examples you couldn't share, or is there a way to neuter the example, make it anonymous to share of an irrational thought that someone's had recently and been verbalizing to you and how you helped interrupt that and change it. Yeah. Yeah. Without like saying a company name that I use this in a, right. a couple of different teams. One was a management team that was facing political climate, not so great market challenges and their morale within the leadership team and their mindset was just not so great. And we had to get together and I took them through this exercise. And the other element of the exercise was we did visualization. So after we went through all the other stuff, we had them get together in teams and they actually kind of with markers and color, they visualized what the perfect scenario would be and how based upon what they could control. Mm-hmm. And it ended up being super powerful. I mean, they left there going, holy smokes, like, oh gosh, it's us. We're in our own way. Mm-hmm. We are in our own way. There are things we can do. And so once you start to realize that all these things that happen to us are things we most often can't control and we're able to break down for them what it is, help them, not me, not tell them, help them discover what they can control, then there's an, a level of empowerment, a level of having power, authority over your life and your workplace. Mm. That was super helpful for them. And I did the same thing with a law enforcement group too. We were feeling, to be honest, really, they were kind of feeling like victims of the community just did it they felt like the community was looking down on them because of course it's law enforcement, you know, the news and all those things. Right. So trying to work with them was 
that was actually the first time I did that exercise was with that group. And it was powerful. So before we conclude this call, I want to come back and bring this to where you, something you wanted to venture into early on this whole idea of purpose. You know, most people I know, I think everybody I know, sometimes I try to not use words like everybody and every time, but I think almost everybody I know that is serious about the pursuit of purpose finds problems, finds adversity in the path, Mm -hmm. right? Yep. Let's talk about it through the lens of purpose for a moment. Whether this is personal for you, you know, and just you've persevered through adversity to get into the promised land of purpose for you, where you could have just Mm -hmm. lingered and languished in the land of scarcity. Yeah, I think that it's possible. A lot of people do that. They land in that place of scarcity. The people that I've been hearing from since that TED Talk went live has been really interesting. And I think I have to say probably most people are lingering in scarcity, mm. right? And once you're something, I, like I said, it's like a button or a switch. Yeah. And for many, this talk was a switch, not the answer, it's the switch. And I think that that it's been helpful, I think, to me to, to see that at least I could be the switch for someone because the switch has to go off to change that mind. So let's be clear here. And I'm thinking of a conversation I've had in the last three weeks with a person in New Zealand who was in a really difficult place. And something in our conversation flipped that switch. And in a week's time, they were in a radically different place. And Heather, they were thanking me. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You have to understand, you did the work, right? We're not saying we can do the work for people. We can just flip the switch. We can illuminate an issue, help them see a choice that they weren't seeing or a path they hadn't envisioned, but we can't take that road for them. Hmm. That's so true. We can't. So when you're saying this, these people that are coming to you, you help them. You flip that switch, but then they have to choose, wow, now to follow this path, to do the work. Absolutely. Yep. So people that are listening right now, let's use the flip the switch. They're in a room that's either very dark or barely illuminated, and they're not seeing many options. What would you say to them right now to help flip that switch for someone? Hmm. They're in a dark place. Well, I would say like the first thing that I do, like tactical thing I do when I'm in that place, because we all get there and I still get there. And my constant reframing is what helps me get out of it is, but the first thing I do tactically is to step outside, literally step outside. I find personally that nature, like getting out in the trees, getting out in the breeze, in the sun releases so much pressure Mm. and opens up. It becomes my switch. So physically. And for every person we have to, physically. Yeah, exactly. And some people may say, go down and go work out or go to the gym workout. For me, and it works for many, many with depression, many with anxiety, getting out and getting that sun. Yeah, yeah. And just bringing it all in is a thing that's a switch that can allow you then to become more rational. Hmm. That's what I would recommend. Okay, so here's what I love about this. It is simple. And the phrase that I've had in so many conversations recently is some of the things that have the greatest impact, the most significant impact are small and simple when we look at them. So what you're saying is if you're feeling stuck right now, get up and move. 
if that means going outside, taking a walk, if that means going to the gym, but stop sitting there soaking in your, can we say pity party? You know, in some cases, I wouldn't even say pity party because yeah. it's, in some cases, like I just described, there's people who've been physically abused, exactly. some people that have been, there's some bad, bad stuff in this That's world. That's true. And you already know it, but it starts to come out when you like do this kind of talk and people start sending you messages. So I, in that case, I wouldn't even say pity because it's right. just, maybe it's first like not sitting. Yeah, don't soak in your adversity. That's probably a better way to say it. Like I said, I'm going to probably use that in some of my upcoming videos because yeah. it is a soaking process. It is a, it's a lavishing in it or something, right? So that's what I would say to do. Okay. to let it go. And so physically changing your situation, I find myself giving that feedback to even leaders recently when I'm doing coaching is like, you know, you know what, if you can just manage to get out for 10 to 15 minutes and walk, mm. that can release so much. It allows you then to start to think more strategically because the world is so much bigger than us. And we realize that when we step outside our office walls, right? And then start imagining it helps. a new set of possibilities. Yes. And there are, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, new sets of possibilities. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I love it like this. Several years ago, a friend on Twitter, and it wasn't original to her, so I don't know where to give the credit, but as long as you have a pulse, you have a purpose. Mm -hmm. So if you're listening to this podcast, it's not over. Yeah, and maybe this conversation is what changes it, or maybe the TED Talk changes it, or maybe you walked outside and saw some birds fly by, and that changes it. Oh, wow. Well, Heather, thank you. Thanks for joining us. Where do you want to invite people to connect with you at? For folks that are stirred, moved, want more of Heather Younger in their life? Uh, I would say LinkedIn, and you can just look me up. I think it's Heather R. Younger, and just LinkedIn's probably the biggest one. Obviously, I'd love to hear your feedback on the TEDx. I want to get this message out there big, wide. I do think that even though it's not complicated and simple, it can have a big impact. So let's just do this together. Mm. So connect with Heather, enjoy the TED Talk, and share it with a friend because somebody, either you need this or somebody you know, needs to reframe an issue that's got them stuck at this moment. Thank you, Heather. Thank you so much. It's been amazing. Heather, thanks for joining us. And I hope you found something helpful, enlightening out of that conversation, out of the real-life experience that Heather shared you know, I'm reminded of a song from a favorite singer-songwriter of mine, Rich Mullins. You've probably heard me say this before if you've listened to the podcast for a long time, but I've talked about this song. There's bound to come some trouble in your life. Sooner or later, something is going to happen, and it's up to you to how you interpret that and respond to it. You know, we all have events in our life that can either make us bitter or make us better. And it's up to you and me to how we see those events and how we, along with what Heather's shared, begin to reframe them. And I'll also quote Anais Nim, we don't see the world as it is, we see it as we are. So we all have this opportunity to reframe. And I hope what you've heard today will encourage you to reframe something from your past, something from your present, or possibly even something that's right around the corner in your future. So with that, I want to thank you. I want to invite you to respond and tell me what's on your mind. What did you hear out of this that helped you? You can do that by emailing me at Kevin at Higher Purpose Podcast or calling me. 
678-744-5111. Until next time, I invite you to live, love, and lead with purpose. Do you have a high-stakes initiative that is stuck, stalled out, or stymied, and you're not sure what to do now and how to forge a path forward? The situation is not as grim as you think it is. We can help. Contact Kevin to explore how a winning conversation may be exactly what you need to break the gridlock, unite your team in purpose, and accelerate traction. Call 678-744-5111 or email kevin at higherpurposepodcast.com. 